Welcome back to Podcast 99. I, of course, am Ryan Lichten, and I'm here with Josh Evans and Parks Miller. Today is a very important day for Podcast 99 because we are arriving at the Woodstock 99 Festival. We have made it. We have given you all the background you need, all the tips you're going to need to survive this thing. Been in the car for a few hours. I got my jean shorts on. We're ready. We're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to set up our tent first. I, we have the whole day planned for ourselves. It's going to be fun. It's going to be the weekend of our lives, and I hope nothing goes wrong. Uh, how could it with <laughs> bands like Limp Bizkit, Korn, Sheryl Crow, Willie Nelson, James Brown? I mean, come on. This is going to be a lot of fun. But even better than those bands that we're going to get to see, we get a special pre-show for showing up early. Today is July 22nd, 1999. The pre-show for Woodstock 99. So... Before we actually get to the concert, let's let's just talk about how the day is going so far. You know, there's been a massive buildup, about a year and a half of promotion. You know, everyone is excited for this. MTV's been pushing it, pay-per-view. Everyone's waiting for Woodstock 99 to start, and it's going to start now. So, basically, from the reports that we've seen, the traffic getting there seemed to flow okay that day, on, the, on that Thursday and the Wednesday before. Um, all the routes that they put in place were functioning for the most part. The lack of traffic, uh, they say, is, is, was due to the strenuous city planning that went into preparing for Woodstock 99. Uh, it included special roads and designated routes, but also a shuttle bus system uh, that would you know, pick you up from the local Mohawk Valley Community College and then bring you to the grounds and there was a place you could leave your car. And they needed a lot of places to leave your car because there was 55,000 cars parked on the Jeez. festival grounds on that first day. So, I mean, and, you know, it's not like people are driving by themselves. So the people are showing the fuck up in 55,000 cars. Um, but also, you know, like we said in the last episode, the whole town is affected by things of this nature. You know what I mean? You see that with, again, festivals like... Coachella or Bonnaroo or, or any of these large festivals, the whole town is affected and you know everything from hotels and rental properties and all that stuff uh, kind of comes into play. And so they passed temporary ordinances in the city of Rome to uh, protect the townspeople from the hordes of concert goers. And one of them, uh, which just seems to be an inconvenience, is that all street parking was banned from 2 to 6 a.m. from July 21st to the 26th. So, like, even if you live Jeez. there, like, yeah, like, you can't park on the street. Like, it's almost like the purge. Like, get inside because Woodstock <laughs> is letting out and they're all going to be on the streets. God, that's that's so terrible because if you have to move your car at 2 a.m., like, you're going to be fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. how are you not? And then to move it back at 6, that's just not a good plan. Dude, no, you're sitting there, yeah, like watching, you know, corn. You're like checking your watch, like, fuck, man, we got to move the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> we better get the fuck out of here. We're going to have to miss uh, Moby in the rave tent. Uh, so, you know, that was passed. And then also, you know, on top of like the, the traffic that, again, was going all right leading up to this, it was mounting. And, and, and the, 
local authorities knew that it was going to get really crazy. But the concert goers weren't the only people that were going to be faced with some trouble because artists and employees that were coming in uh, had trouble arriving at the North Gate because the wall, which they had built around the entire festival to keep people out, was for some reason built in front of the North Gate. Like they, like they made the entrance for like important people to come in and then just like blocked it off. So they had to like scramble to like tear down a little part of the wall to like get people in and then be like, you know, no, 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 not you guys, just like artists, you know, because now everyone's trying to figure out how to get in. Uh, and Michael Lang, this is actually a, a fun fact about the wall that I just want to throw in. Michael Lang, the mother of Woodstock 99, uh, actually has twin daughters. Uh, Shayla and Larry Ann, and they helped paint that mural, the, the big wall mural. Uh, they painted a memorial for Jeff Buckley, and I just wanted to throw that out there. It just gives you, you know, I like these fun little details like Michael Ling having like weird twins that are sitting there painting this wall that will be torn down for firewood later. How much do you think that their portion of the wall would be on eBay? Oh, man. If just some <laughs> asshole's portion is like 2500 Yeah, I imagine. I'd pay an easy thirty grand for that, you know? Wow. But like guaranteed, yeah, if it had no. Jeff Buckley's face. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's how we get Fred. Yeah, exactly. With the Jeff Buckley wall. Yeah. Uh, so you know, okay. So yeah, we, we covered that uh, very important fact that I'm sure y'all were dying to hear. So most of the people that were arriving uh, for that pre-show were people that were planning on camping there, so they wanted to get a good spot and all that stuff. Um, also, a lot of the people that were arriving early were people hoping to buy tickets there. Um, but Lang and Cher made sure that anyone would be able to buy a ticket at any point in time. They sold tickets every day at the gates. Uh, they they never sold out. You know what I mean? That they were going to oversell it on purpose because they thought they could handle it. Um, and, you know, John Scherer was quoted by the Daily Sentinel, the, the Rome newspaper, that everybody will be able to get a ticket, he said. Uh, they just wanted to make that fucking money back. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. no matter what. There's no number of tickets that we could sell that will make us stop. We could sell a million tickets, and we're going to sell a million more if people want to buy them. That uh, was kind of the attitude there. Uh, so yeah. once you know they actually opened up the gates and the ticket holders entered the grounds for the first time, that's when they quickly realized that this wasn't going to be the premier concert experience they had expected. Uh, Michael Lang had you know he stayed oddly optimistic even from the start and was quoted saying that our hopes are that people have as good a time as they did in 94 this is a better facility than any place we've ever been the toxic wow. waste dump. The, the toxic waste dump that houses you know nuclear <laughs> warheads and bombers and and things like that is better than any other woodstock location so it just goes i mean that doesn't say much for 99 but it definitely doesn't say much for 69 or 94 uh, but he then also goes on to explain that, you know, there's no way to see every act that's playing. Uh, there's, there's just too much stuff. They did it like that on purpose. They wanted it to be, you know, immersive and, and kind of overwhelming, you know, with all the acts that they had. And again, almost every act during the proper festival, day one through three, are huge acts. We're, when we get to the, the music of the pre-show, we'll see that... Uh, it wasn't necessarily the premier rock acts that were promised. No, <laughs> but that's okay, because they kind of kept the pre-show a secret. They didn't really tell anyone about it. It just was a thing that happened there. Um, but also, he, he goes on to say that uh, the festival should go off without a hitch as long as people take care of each other and they drink plenty of water. Uh, <laughs> like, I love it. Drinking water, like anyone that does drugs or parties knows that that's kind of like a cure-all 
You know what I mean? It's like, no, just drink water. Like, just drink a lot of water, like, for anything. And I feel like <laughs> Michael Lang carried that on from his hippie days where he's like, as long as they drink water, it should be okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it shouldn't be that bad as long as people just keep drinking that water, you know? Uh, yeah. But the irony of this, that he's telling people to drink a lot of water and then they're going to sell it for four bucks a pop. Oh, no, totally. Yeah. It's almost like product placement for water. Like, water <laughs> brought to you by Woodstock 99. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that. Uh, and so also on the day of the pre-show, that's when it was announced that the festival would end with a special Jimi Hendrix tribute, which we uh, we mentioned, you know, in a past episode a little bit. Uh, and we'll get to it when we when we get there in the actual timeline of the festival. So let's let's move on from that, because uh, there was other major announcements that were made um, in regards to, you know, other acts that were added to the bill. Uh, John Scher announced that Al Green was going to play uh, Megadeth, The Roots, and Seven Dust. Uh, and, you know, the fest, it's already going. Like, people are coming in. There's, there's already music happening, and they're still telling you more bands that are coming. And that, I guess, goes back into them selling tickets the whole weekend because it's like, oh, well, now we have Megadeth, so let's get, you know, and oh, and Al Green, too. You know what I mean? It's just like, how many more tickets yeah. can we sell? Woodstock definitely needed Al Green in his gospel yeah. Oh, yeah. But Al Green did not end up playing. But he ended up dropping Yeah, I was going to say. Okay. All right. That sounds right. Right. And if you look Oof. at some of the merch, like I have a Woodstock 99 shirt, Al Green is listed. Uh, same with some of the other acts that dropped off, like Sugar Ray, for instance, was, yeah. was supposed to play, and, and they didn't. Um, you know, so it's like, but all the merch was made, so they're like, fuck it. Like, you know what I mean? It's, all, it's already done. Still sell them. You know what I mean? And, and also keep making more. And uh, one thing that they did, like, with the shirts and, like, the late merch and all the changes was they sold ad space on the shirts. Even the shirts that the employees had to wear had little printed ads on them. Like, the security guard shirts had Converse ads on them. And then, you know, the box office guys had, like, gotcha. And, you know, they're, like, they, whatever they could slap a brand on, they did, uh, including people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow. In including the human beings that, that were there. Um, so, and, you know, before the day was over... Uh, rumors were quickly spreading that things within the festival were not going as planned and that there were already signs of trouble. Uh, but when asked about the rumors, the county sheriff, Daniel Middaw, told reporters that events this size tend to generate rumors and people tend to believe what they hear. Which is, is true, but like, dude, day one, like not even day one, and people are like, dude, this is fucked. You know what I mean? Like it, the thing hasn't even started yet. Like everything is as brand new and as nice as it's going to be the entire weekend, and people are already bummed on it. Yeah, I mean, it, I, would, I would be really bummed to, to just to have a taste of, of the good, the good part of it. Like the one shower that you got the whole time. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the first day, you're like, yeah, this is sick. We take a shower. Oh, and then you think it's gonna then, be like that all weekend. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then, then you're sleeping in mud. Yeah. Shit, it, shit mud. Sh <laughs> shit mud. Uh, and, you know, another thing that bummed everyone out like when they got there was that the heat was so intense that most of the people that showed up to camp just went into the campground, set up their shit, and turned in for the day. Like, they, they, were, they didn't even bother going to the pre-show. And you can kind of see that when you watch videos of the pre-show because the crowds are so small until you get to, like, nighttime. Uh, in the daytime, you know, you see bands asking everyone to come forward, like, come on, get closer. Like, you're at, like, a small punk show that no one wants to be at. You know what I mean? And like, it's like, no, I'm like one of seven people. Like, I'm not going to move closer. It's like that, but with a, a couple thousand. But a couple thousand people in a venue that's meant for hundreds of thousands looks like nothing. 
You know what I mean? So it looks yeah. really lackluster. Oh, yeah. And that kind of is reflected in the music of the bands <laughs> that, yes. that were playing during that time. <laughs> um, but also the walking was an immediate complaint. Uh, no one had any idea that this two stages were going to be over a mile apart and it was going to be split up by runways and that like the side stages were, you know, way off yonder and, and such, you know what I mean? And also they, they didn't understand uh, that, you know, the set times were going to be so close that, yeah, you weren't going to be able to be like, you know, I'm going to see this band and catch the other band on the other stage right after. There's no way, you know what I mean? You'd have, you have to leave because also you got to navigate through the thousands of people. So with all that being said, you know, uh, you know, we, we got into the gates. All right. Traffic wasn't too bad. Uh, we're, we're in the campgrounds. We got our shit set up. You know, we, we had a, we had a neighbor next to our campsite that, uh, is, is staying there. So they said they'd watch our shit. So we're going to head in now. And uh, catch yeah. the pre-show, uh, which which <laughs> took place it. on the west stage. So uh, yeah, we are. Uh, let's let's check out the pre-show now. Cool. So the pre-show, we've got we've got a few bands that start off the night or start off the day around noon. Um, there's about six or seven groups that honestly, it's really hard to find much information about them. They weren't big. They d- there's no uh, video footage of them. Uh, we'll still go over them, but there's just there's not a whole lot really to say or even find out about these uh, acts. Um, but as far as the pre-show itself, I- I'm going to make a case that this lineup is possibly the most cohesive of any of the days. Everything tends to be in this bluegrass, folk, jam, hippie vein. Which I'd agree with that. Um, makes for some like pretty miserable watching experiences uh but (laughs) does in a way i think kind of it seems like they kind of actually tried to maybe get the spirit of 69 going on this first day um but you know we'll see later that they really fuck up the lineups with some bizarre choices um as the actual show goes on uh this one uh there we started off with this band called Frostbit Blue, and it's right. just some like singer songwriter, just kind of like dad rock. Uh, again, not very remarkable, but for us nerds, I did find some handheld footage of Frostbit Blue, and so it is interesting just to see like literally the first band of this whole shit show uh, was recorded. Um, That's cool. but again, not, nothing, nothing that. Uh, interesting. Uh, then there was this blues singer, uh, KJ James, which I think Ryan wanted to say something about. Oh, oh well, yeah, because like we were, like you were saying, you can't find any footage of these guys. Like they didn't even start the pay per view feed until like midway through the afternoon uh, right. for the pre show. And I don't even think that that stuff aired. I, I think it was probably just like testing the gear and and shit because. It, that even that footage isn't that good, but I did find a cool video of KJ James, who's kind of like an older blues singer guy playing in a high school cafeteria in 1998, <laughs> and like it's not the performance that's cool; it's just seeing a high school cafeteria in 1998. Like they have those little paper cups <laughs> with French fries in it, with like the fries printed on it. Like holy <laughs> fuck, that shit brought me the fuck back, dude. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, the music, like podcast, like like yeah. I was like just so sucked into what these kids were eating Whoa. at school. So uh, you know, if, if you've ever been curious about that, uh, you know what kids ate in indoor cafeterias in the '90s, uh, you can watch this KJ James performance and uh, and and you'll see that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So then we had uh, a group called Little Big Jam. Uh, 
not to be confused with uh, Little Big Town. Um, <laughs> Great. We band. had uh, Gridley Page, who again, not a lot of info, but we found a quote from them. I guess like a press release. They were this like funk rock band from New York, self-described as raising hell and setting attendance records all across New York's map of rock. So. <laughs> I mean, that's such a sell. I wish that their performance was recorded. Uh, and then we have uh, Joe Liba. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's a world music band based out of uh, Budapest. Could have been cool. See, um, but already, like, a few hours have passed now in the festival, and it's just music like this. So people are like, you know, this is going to be all right. You know, this, this is pretty mellow. This is cool. You know yeah, what I mean? They're, yeah. they're busting out their, like, weed rations. You're like, all right, we'll smoke a little bit to this. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a big deal. Uh, you know, and, and again, like having this day reflects nothing of the rest of the festival. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, this lineup so far is like what you would get at like a typical, like just, you know, like I grew up in a, um, you know, like a suburb of Atlanta and they would have these like little folk festivals where like all the, all your kids can come to you, you yeah, have like yeah. world music and blue. Like that's what's going on right now. And again, to go with the hippie vibes, I mean, it, it, it is hitting the mark. Um, you have. Okay, you have Red Herring. I, again, not don't know a lot about them. Uh, we've got this one band, Rattle Basket, um, who <laughs> seems... <laughs> names are great. Um, it sounds like they opened for uh, Blue Oyster Colt and Jerry Garcia. So another like local band, you know, just kind of doing the hustle. And they're, they're stoked. They're on the Woodstock bill. It's good for them. Um, and we have this band called In Bloom, which, I mean, to me, that sounds like a Nirvana cover band, Ooh. but I really have no idea, Dude. like what their deal Probably is. Not. I will tell you, it is impossible to find anything from the band In Bloom. I tried so hard. If you type in In Bloom band, In Bloom 1999, <laughs> In Bloom anything, yes. it's just Nirvana shit. Like, they picked, yeah. like, the absolute worst fucking name for a band in in the 90s. Like, I, like they were probably yeah. a band before that song came out or, or what have you, but, like, or the album. But, dude, like, you fucked up because you are just totally disappeared off the internet and it's hard to disappear off the internet. You know what I mean? Like I found a yeah. video of KJ James playing in a fucking high school cafeteria and I can't find shit on in bloom. Like, yeah. That's crazy, yeah. man. It's pretty obscure for com compared to the names that we're going to see later. There's, there are some weird little dark corners, some obs very obscure names. Um, so the last band that's kind of on this like lost area is this band called flip, oh. which, uh, they actually do have a little bit of information about them. I wish that their performance was around because Flip is this like hilarious, like late nineties glam rock thing. Um, that just, ugh, I don't know. It's, it's really, awful. it's really heinous. Yeah. The guy paints like, like the singer has like one half of his face painted white and the other black I was seeing. And he had like pink hair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I, saw that. <laughs> well, I saw, I saw in here that their, uh, their second album is called blow it out your ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. This is quintessential also, this 90s. This is pretty crazy. I, 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 yeah, I learned that they also like uh they would like dump cereal on their crowds. And for one show, they had like a helicopter fly over and they like dumped uh like 100 pounds of kaboom cereal over the entire audience. But it was in one <laughs> bag and it killed a guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> dude, that's kind of like, I'm getting juggalo vibes from Flip, dude. Like with the <sighs> white and black face paint, and then they're like, okay, well, we can't do Fago, so let's do, I don't know, cereal. It sounds like, like, <laughs> like what are you trying to pull here, guys? It sounds like if Gary Glitter molested the Dandy Warhols. Well, Gary <laughs> Glitter would fucking molest someone because he got busted with yeah. a bunch of child porn and he's a sick bastard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's not let's not forget the, the heinous crimes of Gary Glitter. Yeah, it's that Dandy Warhols. <laughs> 
it's yeah, it's that it's that edge. It's that thing where like in the late night, just like kind of like sticking out your middle finger, like really was some sort of artistic statement. Just be like, fuck you. And it's right. I mean, it's it's terrible. I wish there was a performance of it. Yeah. Um, but but so to to our I mean, we've done a, quite a bit of research and to our knowledge, it the pay-per-view starts. The first recorded band is third base. Oh. And for the rest of the night, now now we actually have uh, video footage. Oh, though we we don't have footage of G11 specials. We'll get there in a minute. But third base was this like kind of like the golden era hip hop, like late 80s, 90s. They had a couple hits. Um, Pop goes the weasel step into the AM. Uh, and they had actually broken up and had just gotten back together like a year before Woodstock 99. Um, and they, man, they, they start <laughs> off with this, this hip hop medley thing where they like play, like their DJ is playing like all these different like like, hip hop. Yeah. And, and he's just trying to get the crowd riled up, but the footage is following, uh, search, right? MC search. Yeah. yeah. That's the main guy. And he is backstage and he's he's wandering around for like minutes while like they're doing minutes. this. It's a really long time. And you, you're, you're kind of confused as to what's going on. And the thing we've realized is that he, he's having a spinal tap moment. He can't figure out how to <laughs> right. get on stage. No, he, he like stops a security guard at one point and they like give him the point, like, no, that way. And he's like still on the mic, like, yeah, and you know this one. And then they're playing like a public enemy song and then it like switches into like NWA. He's like, yeah, you remember this? And he's still like, where the fuck am yeah. I going? <laughs> but yes. that footage is cool to watch because it gives you like a cool like glimpse into what it looked like backstage and like under the stage and all these other weird yeah. fucking places that this guy found himself before he actually got <laughs> out in front of the crowd <laughs> i want to yes. say that he was the he's, first he's person literally... to get, get in the crowd right did he get yes in he the... does get he, he gets in the crowd um because again it's it's like you watch it and at this point yeah there's just not a lot of people because this stage the next day um is going to be completely like filled to capacity with people so it is very yeah. bizarre to see a few thousand um and he's just doing these classic kind of hip-hop things that i i sometimes find annoying which is just like you you really it's almost like demanding uh crowd participation Say at yeah, every single moment yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like like when they yeah, make you like do, put your hands up that's like the most awkward fucking thing you can do at a concert is the motion the side to side yeah, motion this, yeah like, who Dude, does if, that? if they're not doing it well the, but the, that's the thing like i don't think it's the most awkward thing but like it is when they're actually telling you to do it and people yeah. aren't just doing it like you know what yeah. i mean like i said there's only but like, they, i don't think they would do it not for third base yeah <laughs> no in general not that crowd though you know that that yeah. wasn't like a yeah. fucking old school hip-hop like crowd that was like you know the opening day the old yeah. folks and shit that got there early they're like oh yeah check out some fucking bluegrass yeah you know and then you get this guy like throw your hands in the air yeah. it's like huh yeah this guy has two gold records <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean to be like third base is just not like a super remarkable like in the terms of like really classic hip-hop so they're doing some stuff like i love hip-hop but like i wouldn't like i was listening to some third base and i was like i mean this isn't really that good so it that plays into it as well and i in my mind it's just funny to think that they had just gotten back together and like yeah you know poss possibly the performance at woodstock they're like yeah maybe we should just like keep this coffin shut because yeah. I think that they did break up again soon after. Um, it's just bad. It's very preachy. It's just a lot of the things that I personally don't really want to be seeing. Uh, just in just like how many people are hip hop heads and almost getting mad 
when yeah. it's like the response isn't and not really reading the crowd and trying to actually just like have a good time with it. It, it seems like he's he, preaching. He was like, oh, the all these people are, are in the crowd. These people are here to see third base. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, and it's like no, they're here to get fucked up, and yeah. you just happen to be there. And he also says a funny thing where he's like, "We could have played any day, but we chose to play uh, Thursday at Ooh. 3 p.m." And I, I, I might, <laughs> I just don't know if that's God. true. Or I not. read somewhere too that he um, he tried to be in the Beastie Boys, and they weren't having it. Oh man, yeah, well, like he catches him outside of a show, like, "Dude, no, I got this idea. It's like a yeah. song about a weasel." Like, yeah. you know. but. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's one good there's a there's a golden moment in here because he gets an audience member to come up and freestyle. Not a good and idea. That is gold. That's the kind of stuff that here at Podcast 99 we that's what we seek out. So this dude seriously looks like the fucking lifeguard, you know, like <laughs> summer job lifeguard. He's just this like skinny little teenage, like twerp looking dude. And you can tell he is so stoked to be on there. And it's just, I mean, this is some classic, like this is some white boy just like, bitches this, bitches that. You know, I'll be oh, fucking. Dude, and Gene like, Shorts. Yeah, <laughs> no, sure. I believe his name was Jeremy. Like, and I mean, dude, okay, as an audience member, I would never go up on stage. Like, like it's just a bad idea all around. Like, you're going to pull someone up out of the crowd at random. Like, they're going to fucking suck. Like, Kendrick Lamar yeah. just had that thing where he pulled that white chick up and she started saying all the N-words in his It's like... Yes. What, what, like, what were you thinking going up on stage, first of all? Yeah. And, like, what were you thinking pulling someone, like, on stage? Like, just do your thing. Like, it's not, it's yeah. never a good idea. Isn't there a weird video of, like, Nelly singing to, like, a teenager? Yeah, that too. That's crazy. You know, but that was probably, like, well, teenager is a stretch, dude. That's, like, a young girl in that video. But also, I, don't remember. I, yeah, just, yeah. I, I will say, you know, there is one moment in, in music history where bringing someone up on stage worked, and it was at a Who show where Keith Moon passed out due to taking, like, horse tranquilizers on stage, <laughs> and so they said, is there a drummer in the house? And they pulled up some, like, 17-year-old kid who, like, busted out, like, three Who songs on drums. Well, but that is not yeah, third base not at Woodstock 99. Yeah, no. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's not good. It, they're, they're just stretching. Um then they then they do a freestyle and it's a very uncomfortable kind of bragging about his sexual prowess, and you if you take a look at MC Search, I mean it's I'm that's not who I want to see porking anybody. No, he's, no. he's got this weird little duck waddle, he's got this waddle thing going on. I mean, I, I will give him credit though when he does go out in the crowd, he runs back to the stage with a quickness and gets right back on and doesn't lose his breath. And I was surprised that he was able to. To move it along that quick. Um, Dude, yeah, I mean, hey, the, the adrenaline will get... I mean, look at Meatloaf. You know, yeah. Meatloaf could rock a fucking house. Yeah, but I don't know. That's, th yeah, third base, you know, just kind of a footnote in hip-hop history. They did a show. Yeah, the Spinal Tap thing is pretty good. Um, but I don't know. That's, that's that's I feel, all all we can milk out of that one. Well, you, you, you know, know I mean? I, th let's, let's give everyone a treat. Uh, I want you guys at home to hear... The audience member freestyle. Right. I, yes, I, yes. We're gonna go ahead and play that that really quick, and then and then we'll be done with third base. We promise. But you need to hear yeah. this yeah. fucking dipshit <laughs> rap on stage yeah, in yeah, front yeah. of a couple thousand people. Uh, dude. Yes. Hey, but fuck, man. I didn't play Woodstock '99. That guy did. All right. Yeah. Let, let's fucking give it a listen. All right. Say hello to Jeremy, everybody. No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Say hi, Jeremy. Say, Jeremy, don't fuck up. Yo, give him a beat. 
That's what passes for entertainment in 1999. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So then the next band, uh, I'm I'm very excited uh, about this. It was Vertical Horizon. Amazing. Um, this is this is we're starting to get into that gold. I'm also wa- I'm rewatching these videos and I'm starting to question why I want to be a part of this podcast uh, because I'm like, <laughs> why the fuck do I have to watch this band? Um, but they, they had a, a moment. They were from Boston, right? Boston boys. Yeah, well, he, he says Massachusetts. So I, I'm just assuming Boston. Cause they, yeah, they give off a real like working class attitude, but yeah, like, it does do. not like, that's not the music that they play or the clothes that the guy's wearing or like anything. It's, it's just the way oh, he talks. Yeah. yeah. We're already, okay. This, the lead singer of vertical horizon is a strong contender for worse dressed. He, uh, he's oh, yeah. totally bald. He looks like he definitely does some like upper body workouts and he's wearing this incredibly tight kind of like Buddha, like the elephant sort of psychedelic. Like I'm, I'm getting some free Tibet vibes off of this just like skin tight oh, yeah, shirt. Completely. Like I definitely picture the singer Vertical Horizon using like a lot of lube during sex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think like every point skin point of contact has to be like there's got to be some jelly in there. I I. I <laughs> I think he might have been a pioneer of like getting his butthole fingered. Uh, it's like guys are really <laughs> oh accepting of that. I think that he maybe was like really into that on some like weird psychedelic shit. But the music doesn't really reflect that. Um, Vertical Horizon. I see some notes here that they. This is that time period where like every single movie, like action movie, just had all these kind of like mid success, like kind of medium successful buzz bands. Well, yeah, uh, but that you know that's how they made their fucking Skrilla. You know that right. all, the, all these movies, like, dude, Vertical Horizon was in, like, I mean, they use their songs in fucking Bruce Almighty, Driven, The New Guy, Camouflage, Boys and Girls. I'm pretty sure there's probably one in one of the American Pies. Yeah. Like, it, it, you just be. always hear their fucking songs in trailers where it's like, boy meet girl or girl meet boy. Like, just, that's Vertical Horizon shit. But, again, like, on stage, like, in between songs, he's just giving off this, like, yeah, we came, you know, we were just up in Canada. It's good to be back down here in the States. You know, we're from Massachusetts. <laughs> like, it's like, dude, like, that's, that's not, not with that shirt on, man. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. But they're, they're definitely consummate professionals. I, 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 the gear, you can tell that they've really tuned their gear. They seem like they, they have this pro attitude towards playing music. Um, and I guess the best way to describe it is it's in that very, it's that post-grunge period uh, where you're, you're still using really distorted guitars but then the music kind of has this like almost like a folk or like very confessional type of it's leaning. It's coffee rock. Yeah, I mean it's boring as shit. It's <laughs> it's hard to to stuss the stomach. Um, but their big hit was this song called "Everything You Want," and I think that uh, I think most people would should remember this song. It was 
I remember hearing it a shitload on the uh, modern rock radio when I was in sixth grade. I think it, I think it played way beyond. Like I think it was on the charts for like a long time. Um, no, totally. And, that's and you'll like, still hear it now in TV and shit, like all the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I'll hear it at some. I work these corporate gigs, and they just yeah, you know, like the Pandora '90s station, uh, you know, with like <laughs> semi-sonic, that kind of stuff. It's like that, just kind of folky post yeah lighthouse it's life just house. that lifehouse life <laughs> it's okay they didn't um, play 99 they don't mean shit to us yeah. they don't mean shit but so i do want to say though i so i was i remember this song everything you want and i actually like just had to go back and so the whole thing is i found this quote about the song um and it this this song everything you want is essentially like the friend zone anthem oh um, my god it, it, it is like Which we know so does not exist <laughs> okay well see that's okay yeah but see i i want to get deep with it because like the whole yeah everyone knows people debate this whole concept of friend zone and say that it can be this sort of like unhealthy masculine way of thinking um and that's you know i, I can see legitimacy in that like it being friends with people is cool you don't have to have sex with everyone um but this mentality i think does stem from certain songs like this because basically the, cor <laughs> the, the chorus he like I found an interview of him talking about the song, and he says that like this song was written by about a broken girl that I was in love with, and it's immediately like you're just calling her like broken, broken. <laughs> and, Jesus and it's Christ. like and he's just like and she and it's just saying like she was looking for love and attention from everyone, and I was right there to give it to her, and she just wouldn't accept it, mm. and and so it's like there's this blame vibe, dude. He's I'm an incel. This, like, he, yes, he's I'm done. This is the incel so, so the whole thing about the chorus, the chorus is he is everything you want, he is everything you need. But then the last chorus, he changed it to I am everything. You need. <laughs> I am everything you need. I am everything inside of you that you wish you could be. And I'm outside I your house right, right now with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I am everything inside of you that you wish you could be. I don't even really know what that means. It sounds like he wants to pork, but it sounds like he's <laughs> trying to kind of. He says, I say all the right things at exactly the right time, and I mean nothing to you, and I don't know why. I mean, this is some, like, heavy, cringy shit. And it's like, dude, maybe, like, she was picking up on your intense stalker vibe. You know? like, <laughs> yeah, or your maybe fucking she, shirt. Yeah, like, maybe she does need help, but, like, did it ever occur to you, like, you're not the one to give it? Like, just because you're... I mean, what kind of fucking, that's such an ego to say, I say all the right things at all the right time. No one does that. We need to trick um, the singer of Vertical Horizon to come on here, and then we can just corner him, and you can Dr. Phil his ass. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, who are we? We're talking a bunch of shit. We, we love Woodstock, so, I mean, he got to play Woodstock, so, you know, you know, it's all in good fun. Oh, yeah, um, no, totally. And, but their set gets weird, too, because, like, then they go on to play, like, a song that's not a hit, and there's, like, a weird, like, psych jam in the middle of it where they're, like, riffing on the, like, these are a few of my favorite things. Like, yeah. you know, and it goes on and on, and, like, he gets really close to his other bandmates. Like, like their heads and faces get really close to each other. Uh, you know, like, that kind of shit. And also, before a lot of their songs, the hits, he always shouts out, like, this one's from, you know, RCA and blah, 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 comes out like the day, like, it's really fucking weird. It's like robotic almost, like how he shouts oh, out yeah. all the like management details of their, their record. Yeah. Yeah. But that, I think that was like more of a trend back then to, you know, if you got on like a major label, like, I mean, you kind of like, you would shout them out a lot. 
and just kind of rep your label really hard. Well, and it goes back to the Woodstock 99 just being like a giant fucking commercial. You know, it's like, dude, you guys are playing, but you need to fucking say this shit and you need to shout out. It's like a radio. It's like, like you know, a radio show. You got to call out the station name like every so often, <laughs> you know what I mean, during your set uh, or else you can't play. Like, that, that's how I feel like it is, especially with Vertical Horizon set, because, like, there's so much of that, like, just plugging the label and, like, plugging, like, their album. It, it's just weird. Like, it, it just doesn't come off right. Maybe because there's no one in the crowd, you know? Yeah. Like, Vertical mm-hmm. Horizon specifically is one of the bands that calls people up to the front, like, come on, come closer. Like, yes. like move it on in. Um, oh, and, and the last thing I have that I got to say about the vertical horizon set is, you know, we're going to talk a lot as, as time goes on about women being assaulted in the crowds and, and, you know, getting crowd surfed and, you know, getting groped and all that. But during vertical horizon set, there is a shot of one of the swooping cameras where it's a woman getting crowd surfed and she has this long blonde hair. She's wearing this kind of like sequined see-through like mermaid-esque dress that's like you know shoulder to feet it's long like long flowy hair and she's getting crowd surfed and it's like an angel and no one's touching her or doing anything wrong and it's like so peaceful like that i almost doubt it exists like in the there's a photo in that newspaper you have too right yeah no in one of the newspapers they even took a photo of it and that's like that's from the newspaper where i got all the info about the pre-show because they're like yeah look how much fun everyone's having this is going to be great and like look at this woman having such a good time getting crowd surfed and then you know that's about the last time that that went that well yeah uh so yeah, yeah. anyways yeah, yeah so, <laughs> so dreaming so about again, the mermaid. yeah yeah and no it's good to point out because it there i'm very fascinated at the moments like that with the crowd surfing where for this brief second it does sort of you know harken back to the vibes of 69 and like there just will be there will be these tiny little moments where it feels like this this is going to be like a good time and so those are just interesting to note because i mean we've got plenty of bad vibes uh coming up so i mean shout out vertical horizon for just keeping things chill and peaceful even if they're writing some sort of sinister uh bitter <laughs> songs uh underneath oh, all that God. you know the thing is is just cuz you're a sensitive guy and you write whiny songs doesn't mean you're not a huge douchebag as well <laughs> no um, that's true oh yeah and we'll see that time and time yeah, again yeah you can you can be just as abusive uh in your relationships just cuz you know you're not a meathead yeah. um yeah vertical horizon the abusive they, yeah, sensitive guy <laughs> yeah um so now then we have strange folk now, Strange Ugh. Folk, honestly, that's where I, that's, this was maybe my lowest, well, th- I think this was my lowest moment in the research process because I think Strange so too. Folk, they, they blow so hard. Uh, they're from Burlington, Vermont, which is a uh, home of fish, which, you know, there's a lot that and can be Bernie said Sanders, about fish. Right? Yes, Bernie Sanders as well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's got a whole goddamn hippie commune up there. <laughs> <laughs> But I gotta say, I looked up. So Fish started in like the '80s, uh, you know, huge, huge jam band. Uh, you know, probably revived the entire '90s jam band or started the jam band scene in a way. Uh, Strange Folk started in Burlington in '91. So I'm gonna have to immediately call out that they were hugely inspired by Fish and probably just ripping them off. Um, Strange Folk to me sounds like when you like first get to college, you're a freshman and you're in your dorm room and you're like like just trying to party or meet some friends and you go to this one dorm and there's these like four dudes and they're like, yeah, we got the weed man. And you're smoking weed and they all bust out the acoustic guitars and just start going chicka down. And like literally every song has this like funk 
bluegrass like vibe to it and it's yeah well that's so the jam bad. riff like every jam yes, band song is based off of a like yeah totally <laughs> so they're 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 just whack uh bass player i think is rocking five strings he's got a ponytail um i i can't be certain but i feel like we were where you got some cargo shorts uh on stage for one, one of the guys has to be wearing cargo shorts Oh yeah, uh, well definitely. I mean, maybe the drummer, yeah. you know, you can't really see. Uh, um, but but during Strange Folk, you start to see, you see. I think there might be even a little bit of groping too, from some of the crowd surfers. Oh, there's a big um, grope. There's a big grope. Yeah, People, yeah. There's it a doesn't big grope. Yeah. Matter. It doesn't really matter. Really, what kind of music? It's not. It's not. We're gonna find out that it is not in any way related. It's you can't just say it was the Limp Bizkit and Corn that somehow incited this behavior. Uh, basically groping a, a female crowd surfer was just absolutely completely like socially acceptable in 1999. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it still is. I'm sure, or I mean, not acceptable. I'm sure people still do. Oh, people like, still do. I mean, like stuff. at raves and stuff, you know, it's all based on like the kind of crowd and like the element that it draws in. But with 99, like, you know, because it's again, Woodstock, the whole idea of peace, love and music and free love. And like that whole 69 kind of attitude that has somehow like persevered through the years where people are thinking like, well, no, like everyone wants to have sex here. And like, if they're getting naked, that must mean that they want to touch me. And I'm sure that there was like some squares in the crowd that I never crowd surf someone. They just see all these idiots fucking groping. someone. they're like, Oh, I didn't know you pass them like that way. Like, okay. <laughs> and then like, you know, what I mean? yeah. who knows? It could have just been like a terrible chain reaction, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 bad. And yeah, and it starts with strange folk. That is the first on camera like full grope. Uh, woman's getting crowd surfed, and these guys are like trying to tear her. They, shorts. they do tear yeah. her clothes off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's yeah, and it's disturbing, and it, it and it's disturbing to see it, you know, against these different backdrops of of the music, um, especially with. Again, it's just something that I just I really hate strange folk, and just to see this kind of like <laughs> this peaceful like. I mean, you're, I feel like you're supposed to be really stoned and like nodding your head and just having a good time. And then you just get these shots and, and you already can, again, you just start to see some of the, the real dark, sinister shit that's uh, going to go down there. Um, well, well, speaking of like but, darkness, uh, a funny thing that happens during Strange Folk set that I noticed when I was watching it, which, yeah, it, it's definitely like the worst one that I've sat through entirely. Uh, the, like as far as like a full set goes, like that is a really bad one. But... They're playing at the time, like probably around, you know, like seven, eight, eight o'clock ish. And so the sun is going down and they don't turn on the stage lights. <laughs> so for like their last like two songs, they're literally just on like a dark stage and like there, there's no lights and you can barely see them. Like there's nothing. Like they didn't turn on any of the cool show lights or anything like they're and they're just playing like the most uneventful, like boring, like fucking jammy kind of acoustic music. With no light, so no one can see them, and, you know, it's just, like, all-around shitty. Like, strange folk get the shitty seal of approval from a Podcast 99, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then we we see, it says that G-Love and Special Sauce played, um, but we can't find footage of them. So there's lots to talk about G-Love, but they fortunately played on Friday, so we can rip into that uh, Beck Sublime Blues uh, bullshit uh, on another day, um, yeah, because we yeah. don't actually. Th there's lots of good stuff with G Love, but we don't actually know what their set list was, so we'll just save that for another time. Um, so, so then we have another jam band, uh, the String Cheese Incident, and 
I would say that string cheese incident is, um, you know, I, I have to give them credit for, they are definitely probably one of the biggest and like still continuing jam bands. Yeah, totally. The they're they're like, one of like the holy, like four, like, you know, yeah. they're up there with like fish, the dead and panic. panic. Yeah, yeah. Panic. Yeah. Widespread panic. Yeah. yeah. And then string cheese. And so like, that's it. Like those are the right. guys, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they're kind of ripped, dude. They do kind of like, that's the thing. They kind of rip like strange folk. No one knows who they are. Forgettable. And so you, I mean, there is at least some constellation of string cheese where you're like, wow, all these musicians have like crazy chops. So they are very good at what they do. Even if they come out the gate doing a bluegrass cover of Aerosmith's Walk This Way, um, <laughs> which is just so bad. I, I mean, the thing about string cheese is they're, they're playing like. Dude, it's yeah, bad. It's, it's the, so bad. It's oh. very bad. Um, I think the thing with string cheese and maybe sort of a lot of jam bands like this is they're, they're in the fish vein where they. They will mix like the bluegrass, jazz, classic rock covers, calypso, um, and it's so it's so I guess to people it's like wow like look at all these styles that they can play. But to me it sounds like they just made baby food. It's like a bunch of chefs <laughs> making Gerbers. <laughs> like it's all just all the styles just get lost because it's just mushed up uh, into just this sort of unlistenable thing. Um, so they did a couple covers. It's it's like they did oh, a yeah, no, cover. They, yeah, they did definitely covers. Down to Georgia. Uh, yeah. Um, the, uh, the, yeah, the, I don't know. the guitarist like is playing like a tiny guitar d- during the set. Yeah, like, it almost I, doesn't seem it, real. It, it looks like a mandolin or something, but I mean, he's like, I mean, he's got pedals and shit hooked up to it, and he's like wailing, and he's also not wearing shoes. So you know, it, like the barefoot jam band guy, like String Cheese has him. Strange folk, yeah. everyone had fucking shoes on. That's the difference <laughs> between a real fucking jam band and a fake fucking jam band. <laughs> so basically, with String Cheese, the last thing to say about that is. They are they're starting they are hitting again. I'm kind of like looking out for the the Woodstock '69 vibes, and I would definitely say that they're hitting those vibes. Uh, totally. If you were to have if you would drop some acid, you would uh, at this point I think you'd be cool. You'd be like, wow, like I did it. I'm tripping on acid at Woodstock, and like string cheese <laughs> is ripping on a tiny guitar, barefoot Aerosmith covers. You know, like this is a good this is a good decision I've made. Meanwhile, um, like the friend that... is like, no, nah, dude, I'm gonna save mine for corn. Like you fucked up taking it like on the pre show, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm saving mine, dude. <laughs> oh man. Um, <laughs> so now we're getting into the last two acts of the night, which. I personally am just very excited about this. And uh, the first, basically it's July 22nd is George Clinton's birthday. It was his 58th birthday party. So he has a huge, like two hour long performance. Um, And before he plays, uh, this guy, Bernie Worrell, who is a legendary keyboard player. He played a lot um, with George Clinton on George Clinton Parliament Funkadelic Records. He actually performs with George Clinton during the set. Um, he, uh, you know, was pretty famous for performing with talking heads on, um, their concert movie, Stop Making Sense. He adds a lot of character to that, yeah. uh, performance. I think he was uh, on, the, an amazing he was on the song, player. the song Girlfriend is Better. And then he's like, yeah. credited mm-hmm. for that one too. Yeah. So he does like a, I think like a 30 or 45 minute set only plays like four songs, lots of jamming. But I have to say that like this kind of jam music i actually really like because it's just it's very freaky and funky and it's just like they're all wearing like super weird like kind of space outfits it's incredible and he's just going cra- yeah like he's going nuts with the synths and just making all these insane synth sounds um so i mean it's actually like 
enjoyable music, I would say. Right. Uh, Bernie Worrell. Well, it's, it, it's dope. It's good. And, and, and this is kind of a, an interesting uh, side thing, too, just so, you know, y'all at home know where we are on the grounds. Uh, the George Clinton, like, birthday celebration, that wasn't on the West stage like the rest of the acts were. They actually moved that into the hangar, uh, which which all day was um, what was an emerging artist stage with, with even less notable bands than, than the ones that, that we, we talked about. And when I will run down the list of those uh, a, a little bit later, but um, yeah, George Clinton played inside one of the hangars. Uh, so, so everyone had to go from the West stage to an indoor venue. And when you see video of that, like it's, fucking mega packed yeah it looks fine. because like yeah, yeah and it looks great and people are getting crowd surfed but it's not like fucked up or dark and like everyone's just having like a grand old time and yeah it starts with with bernie yes. warrell yeah mm-hmm. yeah um and and basically you know it's just kind of, and I, I i actually think it's cool and kind of interesting programming too that it's it almost seems like because it was George Clinton's birthday or something they just gave him like free reign because if you take if you take him plus bernie warrell you know, members of Parliament Funkadelic are on the stage for about three hours. And it, it really gets into this kind of free will and just like, like really like a good party vibe. I mean, I, w- I will argue that George Clinton's performance is really like one of the actually like not ironically, just like actually one of the most enjoyable moments of the whole time. Like totally. Of the whole No, festival. no, I mean, both of it, um, both yeah. of it says, because George Clinton, yeah. he will, he's going to play the next day too. George Clinton plays the official day one as well. But uh, this was Mm -hmm. just like a side thing. And yeah, no, like everyone's loving it. And he, and you know, at the, uh, at the birthday party show, the pre-show, he plays like weird fucking like deep cut songs. You know what I mean? Like they're really psychedelic and really fucking out there. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. See, I, I actually, yeah, I have a lot of respect for it. Cause I mean, we're, we're getting, we're getting the 69 vibes real good. Like I would definitely be like tripping on a lot of drugs at this concert. Um, so the thing is, so George Clinton, for, just for anyone that doesn't know, like George Clinton, Parliament Funkadelic, I mean, some huge hits like Tear the Roof Off the Sucker, uh, Flashlight, uh, Not Just Knee Deep. I mean, there's, these are some gr- like really popular, like lots of hits. And, and they've he, been sampled he, he does, in like every rap song that was like huge on the West yes. Coast, like throughout the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, George Clinton is is influential. And, and the thing, yeah, like Ryan said, on Friday, he's going to do a set that sticks to a lot of the hits. But he's like really out there um, in terms of the song choice that he plays. I mean, he really he does play "We Want the Funk" later and "Mothership Connection" Atomic Dog. But for the first like thirty minutes, he hasn't played any hits. And then the first like really famous song that they do play is "Maggot Brain," which is essentially a twelve-minute-long guitar solo. Um, so it's not <laughs> like I mean, it's a famous song, but it's not by any means like a catchy one. So he's, I got to give him credit for, he's going out there. Like he's getting super freaky and psychedelic. Um, Like the entire show. I mean, I actually watched it with my roommate uh, last Saturday night and it's, it's a, it's a journey. No, Um, it's a fucking insane show. All the clothes they're wearing. Like there's a guitarist on stage wearing a fucking diaper the entire time. You got boots and collins. Yeah. The diaper man who, in my opinion, is up for best dressed of the entire festival. Uh, you yes. know, Clinton himself is wearing like this insane cloak. I mean, everyone's just like decked out in psychedelic shit. And at one point he brings out, uh, I think he says it's his granddaughter and, yeah. and, and she's going to do a song. And the song is something stank. And I want some where she's just like, yeah, something stank. And I want some just like over and over. <laughs> and everyone's just like blowing their fucking weed into the air, like getting all fucking down. Oh, yeah. 
And then uh, that song goes into a, another highlight, which uh, we discovered the the song Booty. The Booty song. This is an incredible find. Um, so... <laughs> So George Clinton, his music in the 90s, once Parliament Funkadelic kind of dissolved, his music is kind of hard to track because he was just recording and releasing music all the time under these different weird monikers. And so I can't really I found like a few versions of this booty song, but it's just it's just like a funky song about booty. Um, but <laughs> he brings this guy out. His name is Louis Bablin Kabibi. And this dude blew my fucking mind. He is so incredible. It's just this very, like, large, rotund, like, Humpty Dumpty. Like, he looks like an egg. He's this white guy. I mean, he so looks like... He looks like, like David white. Berkowitz, the son of Sam. <laughs> like, or like George Costanza. <laughs> he's white as shit. Yes, it's, it, it makes no sense. Uh, he's got, like, his shirt tucked in and he has like a pager like i mean he seriously looks like he's like the head of catering or something and they've <laughs> let him on stage uh and george clinton announces him saying he saying louis kabibi he says this is the hardest working man in show business this is coming from george clinton you know this is high praise um and what he does is he does this booty rap and the entire time he's doing it george clinton has his hand on louis kabibi's head and is gently <laughs> rocking him back and forth almost the way you see in porn when people are putting their uh, head on your their hand on your head when you're giving them a blowjob. Um, oh, okay. He's doing this, this <laughs> oh, yeah, rhythmic like this back and forth thing, and it's like, but again, it's very like psychedelic uh, to watch because this guy starts just going booty, baby, and he just <laughs> talks about booty. And uh, we would I'd actually like to play like a little clip of some of the the some of the lines that he says, because you also got to hear this guy's voice. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's definitely worth taking, taking a little listen to, to booty. Uh, yeah. Well, let's do a little clip uh, of Louis Kabibi doing the booty rap. Hey, don't go knocking butt. You with the booty, baby. Well, all right. I'm reciting the international anthem to booty. I am Allied with booty, patriotically pledging allegiance to the booty, establishing citizenship in the name of booty. Long live the booty. Hey, Yoko knocking butt. You with the booty, baby. All right, so there you have it. If I went to medical school, then I'd be a booty doctor. Um, <laughs> that's good stuff. And I also like how he kind of like messes up the next line. Like he's like not a good rapper, and I don't really understand. I I could bear. I found a couple videos of Louis Kabibi uh, on the internet. I can't. He's not on Spotify. Like this this dude is a true mystery. Um, I might have to make my own documentary called Finding Kabibi. Uh, because this, this, this dude, like, You'll I just, him out I'm with so some fascinated. <laughs> yes, the booty. He he loves the booty. Um, so then it goes from that, and then there's this, like, gypsy violin player who does this, like, atonal violin solo for, like, five minutes. Um, like, he really gets into some weird, like, noise rock uh, areas because I think – he was probably influenced by all the grunge and metal of the 90s. I mean, he's he's always done rock. Right, well, and like, he, he produced, like, a Chili Peppers album and shit, too. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. like, you know, he's into he's into different stuff. Although, you know, a funk rock band is not too much different from a funk band. But, <laughs> but you know, he, True, he, but he, I, he gets out there. 
but it, I mean, he, I can't, I can't say it enough that he, he, I mean, this is like, he truly is like an influential person. And I mean, to think about someone who made hit songs in the sixties and seventies and to think about them doing a performance in the nineties, I mean, that usually, usually they're past their prime. Like, I mean, if Bob Dylan were to play a show in 99, it would be garbage. I mean, I love Bob Dylan, but I've seen him and his voice is shit and he's barely hanging on. Um, right. So or to, like to, any to, hair metal band, like they all fucking right. blow now. Yeah. They all blow. So to actually see someone like George Clinton, that far past like what is considered his prime to be doing just like crazy stuff and actually getting a really like positive reaction from the crowd it's i mean you're like wow this is this looks like a fun time um and i think he's i just think he's kind of like the funky jerry garcia like he is just like a truly like he's kind of a wizard like he doesn't even do that much um on stage right but he's it's like a just, band leader every, more than anything you know what i mean yeah, there's a exactly. lot of hand signals and shit yeah yeah, he does do um, a rap. Um, there's this one of the songs is called "Yank My Doodle." It's a dandy. <laughs> it's a, it's real dirty. And uh, one of my favorite lines from his rap is he says, uh, "Gooblin and goblin, skeeting everywhere. I wonder why I'm always skeeting in my hair." Um, <laughs> that's good stuff, man. Um, oh, man. He, oh, he also <laughs> he also says, "My doodle is like a donut." You know I'm gonna be dunking it. Um, so <laughs> I was watching George Clinton say these like incredibly lewd, uh, like kind of schoolyard raps is is really great. And then while this is happening, you've got you know you've got a guitar player dressed like the Grim Reaper who's just ripping this like ten minute long solo. Um, one thing I was baffled by as I was watching it is like I don't know if maybe the way the footage was edited, but I started realizing thirty minutes into the set that he was the band members were completely changing out during the set. I mean, there I seriously counted like five drummers and five bass players, and I don't know when he this was doing it, but the entire band, there had to have been at least like 40 or 50 people Jeez. on the stage. Really? Everybody it's eats. It's crazy. Yes, it's nuts. Like at one point, like Bootsy Collins, who's like one of his most famous bass players, at one point my roommate and I were just like, wait, Bootsy Collins is playing the bass and we were just like wait how long has he been there and I, we're like I think he just like appeared out of a shadow yeah um, he comes so, out like, like a couple songs in and I think he leaves yeah he just leaves and shows up and it's like it's insane because also given some of the technical difficulties that occur with some like of the really straightforward rock bands that happen later the fact that they're they are like a contained unit and they know what they're doing. So the fact that they're able to just be changing musicians constantly during the set and have no hitches again shows that, you know, George Clinton really is on his own other level. Um, totally. But, and there's a, there's a contortionist at one point. This guy <laughs> is this like super slim, just incredibly like a million muscles everywhere. And he just comes out and just does these freaky dances. He's got this big, long black pointed nose that just it just makes me think of like weird sex stuff with that nose and he's just he's just going like off eyes wide fr- shut at, yes at, it, at you're getting Woodstock like 99 you know I'll, yeah, but it, the uh <laughs> there, there's you know speaking of weird guys on stage during that performance there's another guy that his whole job from what i can tell is to draw pictures like that relate to lyrics and then he just holds it yes. up and he's doing it like the whole, almost like a Bob Dylan fucking thing. You know what I mean? Like, like the, Oh yeah. The subterranean homesick blues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like when they're doing booty, he just draws like this weird shitty, like cartoon of 
Louis like eating a butt. <laughs> you know, he just holds that up, and that's his like booty drawing. And like, if anyone yes. knows where to get those drawings, like, please contact yeah. us, like, because I need that booty drawing bad. Yes. Oh yeah. And that actually, he misspelled Louis Khabib's name, and I looked because at one point, um, it looks I, I I there's another like very funny conspicuous white dude comes out and brings a painting of George Clinton. Um, my guess was that it was George Clinton's lawyer, uh, because he just ha he just does he looks so out of place. And, and and what I imagined is, you know, he said, George, oh, you're playing in uh New York, you're playing upstate New York, you know, that's fifteen minutes away from my vacation home, you know, I'll just stop by. I, yeah, I, I have this painting yeah. made for you, you know? And um so again, they play Atomic Dog. They bring a dog out. Uh, someone they bring a little puppy out. We got to get that um, dog on the show. And there, there's just there's just so much going on there. It's truly entertaining. Um, but I think yeah, my MVP is Gary Diaperman Snyder. He is this guitar player. He's wearing this <laughs> giant diaper. He uh, the image of like a grown man wearing a huge diaper, ripping on a guitar while smoking a cigarette is like a truly like it's pleasing to the brain. To <laughs> it's like ASMR. Happened. I mean, yeah. and he is not. He's not fucking around. Like he's going in. He's rapping. He's shredding the guitar. Um, I actually, this is a, just like a personal thing. Um, but the, uh, my group, the band I'm in, uh, we bought uh, some adult diapers uh, last for our show last weekend, and so I actually was uh, wearing a diaper um, and tried it out, and uh, it's actually very oddly liberating. Um, and I've turned it into my Tinder profile, and I've gotten more matches as Diaper Man. Uh, than I ever Jesus. did as, as Sarks Miller. So I've, I've gotten like 10 matches already as the Diaper Man. So I think I, I got to shout, <laughs> shout out Gary Diaper Man Schneider. I think that there's something to wearing a diaper. It's funky. It's like you don't you don't have to go to the bathroom. You don't have to wait in line. Like you can just party straight through the night. <laughs> oh, uh, my because you God. Got that diaper to support you. What is it? What does it feel like? When it's you're freaky. It's freaky. And I think that, you know, my next I don't know. I'm going to say that you might not. This might be like a Pandora's box of like me wearing diapers and uh, then to realize yeah, that one of my favorite of all time also has a guy who wears diapers. <laughs> oh my God, dude. <laughs> uh, the Daily Sentinel newspaper actually reported on the George Clinton birthday performance and was like, you know, George Clinton doesn't let age slow him down, blah, blah, blah. But the, the lady that wrote it, uh, Mary Esty, not to call her out, but had no idea what she was talking about and uh, was like super stoked to see Bootsy Collins in a diaper. <laughs> like she was just like, yeah, legendary guitarist Bootsy Collins came out in an adult diaper. And it's like, wow, you have no fucking clue like, who anyone was up there. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so, you know, and then that that kind of closes it out for uh, the the highlights of the music for that day. But there was in the daytime, aside from all that shit, there was another stage going on the emerging artist stage, which was sponsored by amb3.com, uh, which was in the hangar. And uh, the bands that played there also super forgettable. If you know, not non-existent, like immoral fibers. That's just like shitty singer songwriter stuff. A band called see me, which I couldn't find anything about. Uh, Chris Glenn played. He's been the bassist of several bands like uh, The Party Boys, The <laughs> Jade, and the sensational Alex Harvey Band. Uh, someone called Gary Durden and the Clay Pimps. And then Johnny Rushmore, who is a <laughs> guitar virtuoso. There's lots and lots of YouTube videos of him playing in bars. That's about as far as that one took me. Uh, but that covers it for, for, for the music of the pre-show. Um, you know, so... 
th- th- there you have it. I mean, that that's your first taste, and everyone was probably thinking like, "Hey, th- this is gonna be pretty sick." You know what I mean? That was that was tight. Everyone after seeing George Clinton, you go to bed happy. You know what I mean? Like that, that's just like a good a- end of the night. Uh, despite all the complaints that started then pouring in because then, you know, the next day is the official day one. And that's when you start getting all the, the real reports. Uh, the first reports of complaints were, uh, you know, about the prices, uh, immediately prices were brought under scrutiny. Um, and that starts when, you know, the attendees first start coming in, they realize they can't bring in any outside food or drink and it starts getting taken from them. And then they see the prices are soaring. Uh, and one of the newspapers printed a little sample menu, uh, which is kind of fun. Uh, and also this is before they gouge the prices too. This is like starting. This is, this isn't even day one. This is pre-show prices, uh, $3 hot dog, $5 hamburger, $7 Italian sausage sandwich, $5 grilled chicken, $7 turkey wrap, $7 veggie burger. You can get blueberry pancakes with Vermont maple syrup for mm. six bucks. Coffee, $3 a cup, frozen yogurt, a very nineties, uh, treat $4 bottled water, of course, $4. And then you could also get milk. There, uh-huh. you know, if you wanted to drink milk in the, you know, 100, de- 100 degree heat no, there, you no, know, no that, that's four bucks. Um, but they also, you know, uh, along w- with that stuff, they also, you know, saw other kind of familiar cuisines. Uh, if you were an avid concert goer, like uh, they, they set up a Taste of Tibet booth, which was like a staple of 90s music festivals. They frequented the Tibetan Freedom concerts and they served like noodles, rice, potatoes and salad. It was uh, seven bucks a bowl. And, you know, it's just like kind of just like fucking vegetables in, in a bowl. It, it reminds me of a time I played a little festival and there was a, uh, th- there was like a, a food stand there and it was free. It was called food, not bombs. And I was like, Oh damn. Like they're giving out these like veggie bowls for free. And then I ate it. And then I found out that it was all like dumpster diving food. And I was like, super, uh, really? I was like, Oh man, I just got like a free bowl of fucking garbage, but uh, I didn't <laughs> get sick. You know what I mean? So I, I played along. I played along. Uh, they also had the common ground cafe, which was like a vegetarian, uh, option and fun fact about them five years earlier they had a stand at a music event at max yasger's farm where the original woodstock took place um and then of course the alcohol uh that now everyone gets to see the alcohol prices they, they get to come in the first people of the festival are buying beers uh, a 20 ounce cup of beer was five bucks uh you could get two cups at a time and five dollars that's only one dollar more for a beer than than for water, and if I had the option, I'm probably just gonna spend the extra buck. You know what I mean? Tony like, <laughs> if it's a dollar difference between a fucking twenty ounce beer and like a twelve ounce water, like, yeah, dude, they, come they on. Make, they make beer with water. Exactly. Uh, w- one young woman from Philadelphia named uh, Bridget McMullen was interviewed by the Daily Sentinel, and she had told them, uh, "I expected to pay five dollars a beer, but ten dollars for a hero? That's ridiculous!" <laughs> like a, a hero. Yeah, it's amazing. Uh, security was also completely exhausted by the end of the pre-show. They worked a 12-hour shift on the grounds, and uh, then they had to tend to the campgrounds after the concert, where they ran into problems with intoxicated attendees. There was reports of people launching fireworks off of the roofs of their mobile homes, uh, shit like that. So, you know, th- that's that's kind of where the festival stands as of right now, before day one officially starts. Uh, but we do have a couple honorable mentions. Uh, some people that 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 attended that were uh, reported as going. 
Uh, a Rome, New York native, Ben Caswell, who hitchhiked to the original Woodstock Festival with a vacuum salesman. If that ain't a fucking movie, I don't know what <laughs> is. Uh, he returned to his hometown to attend the festival. And uh, ironically, he was actually living in Woodstock, New York at the time and was a photographer for the Woodstock Times. Uh, he also attended Woodstock 94. He was very, very excited that Woodstock 99 was going to be in his hometown, especially on Griffiths Air Force Base, because he had fond memories of riding his bike along the runways as a child. What a crazy bastard. <laughs> riding your bike on military runways, you're out of control. Uh, also, another honorable <laughs> mention, Andrew Stephen Richmond was born at 8.52 the preceding Wednesday, July 21st. The newspapers hailed him as the Woodstock Baby. Uh, yeah, what? like Why? not born at Woodstock, <laughs> yeah. not born on Woodstock, but the Woodstock baby. I tried to find him on <laughs> That's Facebook. A stretch. Yeah, oh, it's a major stretch. Yeah, and there's a million Andrew Stephen Richmonds out there, so I couldn't find him. Uh, another one we want to mention uh, about the first day, Fritz's Polka Band became the first and only polka band to play a Woodstock Festival. They performed on the welcoming stage, which was a, yet another stage that was positioned kind of more near the parking lot, and that was all local acts. Uh, you know, other acts that played were a band called Red Hush, uh, Deborah Trions, Fluid, who played at Rome Stock, which Fluid. we talked about. <laughs> we talked Fluid. about last time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stark Raving Sane and uh, a couple <sighs> others. One of the other bands on that welcoming stage was the Blues Drivers, uh, which was a band made up of 15 and 16 year olds. And uh, they played on the welcoming stage and were billed as the youngest act to perform at Woodstock. Uh, the father of one of the, the members of the band was completely beside himself ecstatic when he was talking to the newspapers because he had gone to the original Woodstock and this was like as close as he'd get to, <laughs> to doing it all wow. over again or so he thought. Um, yeah, his, his parade is going to get rained on real hard. Oh, yeah, <laughs> com completely. I hope he got his, his fucking teenage son out of there before shit popped off. Uh, but, you know, one thing we want to leave you with uh, before we go here is... I found this poem in one of the, the local newspapers uh, for Woodstock 99, and it is a, it's an acrostic poem. And if you spell it out, the, the first uh, letter of each line here spells out Woodstock. And this is a list of things that the newspaper suggests you do if you're not going to the Woodstock 99 festival. So here we go. We got, watch a recently released popular video. Offer to cook a gourmet dinner for your spouse or friends. Order your personalized Christmas cards. Donate a couple of hours in visiting an elderly home. Select a novel by a favorite best-selling author and read the entire book in one weekend. Take a nap on the middle in the middle of the afternoon. Online, send email messages to relatives. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> yeah, you know, try it out. I mean, you might like it. Uh, clean the cellar where the humidity may be considerably lower than the attic. <laughs> And keep a tall glass of lemonade by your side while working on a crossword puzzle. <laughs> All Good right. Lord. Wow. That okay. See, this is why uh, you know people are you know complaining about the death of print media. But this kind of garbage right here is you know I see good <laughs> riddance. I'm sorry, Daily Sentinel, but that is that's just terrible that you printed this whole it's shitty poem. Uh, no one did any of those things. That's just terrible. Uh, Good Lord. Anyway, that's yeah. just my rant. Well, you know, at that point, they thought, like, you know, they had nothing negative to report on yet, so they were using all this fluff. Like, there weren't any arrests made, and there weren't any accidents on that on that pre-show day either. But uh, with that's that true. being said, I think that's where we're going to leave off today. Uh, Thank God. Yeah. Well, I hated this episode. <laughs> the pre-show yeah. fucking sucks. Yeah. Well, it's all done now. 
So uh, we will see you next time on Podcast 99. Podcast 99 would like to thank Gray Holger at Contradict Sound for all of his technical assistance. Without him, this podcast would not be possible. We would also like to thank the listeners at home. Keep on sharing and subscribing. If you or someone you know went to Woodstock 99, played at Woodstock 99, or worked at Woodstock 99, please contact us at podcast99official at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at podcast99. Thanks, and we'll see you at Woodstock.